Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling tees in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. So, how can you get yourself some Lucky Racket gear? It's simple. Just go to their website, luckyracket.com, that's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com, and use our promo code CRACK15. If you do, you'll get 15% off all of your purchases. That means 15% off the shirts, 15% off all of the incredible swag offered by our friends. Again, that's luckyracket.com. The promo code is CRACK15. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, September 2nd. One size does not fit all when it comes to the styles of play we saw on display on day four of the 2021 U.S. Open. Of course, the place we have to start tonight's show, the thriller we saw to end the day's play, Karolina Pliskova, your 2021 Wimbledon finalist, number four seed at this event, survives a 7-5-6-7-7-6 battle with 20-year-old former French Open semifinalist Amanda Anisimova. How many times have we seen Pliskova lose that match in her career? 25, 30 times for her to get over the finish line speaks to the confidence she's developed over the past six weeks of play. I want to talk about from a tennis standpoint, how she managed to do it, what the implications are moving forward through the rest of the draw. Of course, if you think we're not spending five minutes breaking down the all-American showdown between Jensen Brooksby and Taylor Fritz, you are sadly mistaken Brooksby a four set victory over Fritz another fantastic win for the 20 year old American here in the 2021 season of course we'll break down that match talk about the upsets on the day the matches that went the distance how the seeds fared in their battles offer you a brief preview of day five as well as you are likely listening to this podcast by the time play has already gotten underway but of course before I do any of that I do want to quickly remind all of you listeners of a couple of things. A, we are so proud here at Crack Rackets to have recently launched a program called Project Elite, offering NIL-related opportunities to college tennis athletes across the country. You can hear our inaugural interviews with our first Crack Rackets athletes, Isabel Boulay, Cannon Kingsley of Ohio State, Kowaisi Kenyatta, Hunter Heck of the University of Illinois on our Cracked Interviews feed. If you are interested in joining that program, whether it be as a donor, whether it be as as an athlete, or maybe you just want to learn more in general, you can go to project-elite.com right now. Again, project-elite.com. Tap on over to our Cracked Interviews podcast again to hear those interviews with our Cracked Rackets athletes. Of course, if you're looking for more U.S. Open-related content, I make picks each and every day for the preceding day's matches on our Great Shot Pod feed, excuse me, the subsequent day's matches on our Great Shot podcast feed. Head on over to the GSP now to hear my aces of the day for day five. Of course, those podcasts come out in the early afternoon, early evening, each and every day. So if you are looking for more extensive preview content, 
content. Be on the lookout for that feed or find it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, again, last but certainly not least, I have to give a shout out to all of you listeners, to our Cracked Rackets Patreon family who are privy to a exclusive match of the day segment. I talk about my favorite match today. It happened to be Fritz and Brooksby, so I picked a winner. There are so many good matches to pick from for day five. I'm going Sabalenka versus Danielle Collins, the hard-hitting nightcap on Ash on day number five. So again, if you're interested in that, interested in supporting our work here at Crack Rackets, you can do so by joining our Patreon family. You can find all the information for that on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, last but certainly not least, got to give a shout out to our friends at Tennis Point. I know you hear me say it every day and you're like, Alex, enough. Stop pushing products. I believe in Tennis Point, though. I have no shame in saying they are the best in the business in terms of finding the best equipment at the lowest prices in the tennis industry. You name it, they've got it. And if you go to their website right now, use our uh, promo code CR15, you'll get 15% off your order. You'll get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, you will get a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Of course, you'll also let them know we sent you there, which we appreciate, and we are so grateful for their continued support. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Tennis-Point, the symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, let's get into it. What a nightcap. In our final match of day number four between number four seed Karolina Pliskova and hard-hitting young American Amanda Anisimova, of course, this was a match I did circle as one that I thought could get feisty because despite Anisimova's perceived struggles by her record, by her ranking, she's fallen outside the top 50, outside the top 70 of the WTA rankings, of course, when she made that semifinals at the French Open in 2019. It seemed like she was destined for stardom, one of those young players along with an ascending Coco Gauff. And, you know, honestly, in the conversation at that point with an ascending Naomi Osaka because she hadn't won the next two slams and, you know, Kennan hadn't won her slam, Shiantek hadn't won her slam yet, Anisimova was on the shortlist of the next certain stars on the WTA Tour. Now, of course, it's so sad what she has gone through over the past 24 months. Not only have we all gone through the pandemic, she lost her father. And, of course, we you know you can only uh, imagine what that is like for Anisimova. Health struggles as well. Just hasn't been able to play consecutive months of play on the WTA Tour. And yet, a more thorough breakdown of her results this season really uh, reveals Anisimova's on the right path. Again, just turned 20 years old at the end of August. You look at her statistics here this season. Career high in break percentage, 41.3% in 2021. Uh, that is uh, above her career average of 40.2. You look for her in terms of the first serve win percentage, 61.4. Better than last year, below her career average, but the second serve win percentage up a percent and a half in her serve points in general up 0.3%, return points up 0.3%. Again, you got to keep perspective. Anisimova is still just 20 years old, and you look at her results here this season now, 15 and 14 overall. She did, you know, had to go the hard route, unfortunately, but she did qualify in Montreal, gets two wins there before getting knocked out by Pliskova in the round of 16, one in six, and you look for her, the other big results this year, quarterfinals in Parma before getting knocked out by the eventual champion, Goff. You look for her record here this season, again, in that 15 and 13 spread against opponents ranked outside the top 51, Amanda Nisimova, 13 and three. You look at opponents ranked inside the top 50, she's two and 10. What does that tell you? Her weapons, they belong at the top of the game. If you don't have the speed or the stamina or the weapon to disrupt the rhythm of Amanda Nisimova, she is going to beat you. And again, that's why you got to look more thoroughly at the numbers. You can't just say, well, she's ranked 75. She must not be playing well right now. No, it's the little things that come when you miss as much time as she has over the past you know, two years. Her movement, her footwork, her serving in the biggest moments, her first serve percentage, as I mentioned, is down right now. And yet tonight, she had the goods against Karolina Pliskova. She made 73% of her first serves and won 75% of those first serve points. Yes, she only hit five aces, but she had 44 winners 
I would say 30 of those 44 were on plus one or, you know, plus two forehands or backhands, and it was all working for her. Backhand down the line, forehand down the line. Anissa, you know, 9 of 11 at the net as well. She faced nine break points during the match. She fought off seven of the nine. Anisimova in the biggest moments, whether it was the match points, or excuse me, break points that felt like match points down the home stretch of, you know, her five-all service game in that third set, whether it was her five-all service game, uh, excuse me, five-six service game in the second set as well, whether it was, you know, down match points early in that third set breaker. Anisimova was able to come up with the plus-one goods whenever she needed them. And yes, her game is a little bit one-dimensional right now. It is just the power tennis, but that power tennis, I had a meeting with Jeff Sackman, and I'm waiting for his response because he's on a different time zone than me. We may send an emergency, not invitation to the club because semifinals at one major, you're not ready to join Serena Williams' power tennis country club, but she's going to have weekend privileges starting immediately because that's the sort of gear she was at and yet... I know that was four minutes on Anisimova. The story of this match is Karolina Pliskova. 24 aces, a new record at the U.S. Open in a women's singles match. That record should belong to Pliskova, whose first serve is what has been her calling card over her decade. Not of dominance, but of, uh, yeah, I would say excellence. On the WTA Tour, and you look at her performance tonight, locked in. You know, 24 aces. 70% of her first serves go in. She wins 78% of her first serve points. Only faced three break points on the match. Was broken one time. 39 winners against 22 unforced errors. 7 of 11 at the net, but that doesn't include the, I don't want to say countless, but healthy amount, plethora, dare I say, of uh, swinging volley she hit in what is seemingly no man's land, but it's not when you're Carolina Pliskova. And look for both of these players. They play big on the return, and that's not a surprise. You look for Carolina Pliskova here this season. Break percentage is 33.4%. That's below her career average of 34 point, uh, 34%. You look for her amongst top 50 players right now. Carolina Pliskova, in terms of break percentage, currently ranks, uh, I believe, 39th amongst the top 50 players. You look where Anisimova would be, Anisimova here in 2021, while it's a career-high break percentage for her of 413 it's a pretty good number, actually. You look where Anisimova's 41.3 number would rank. That would be good. Inside the top 15, it would tie with Serena Williams' 41.3. Uh, that number would be good for 10th. Excuse me. So shout out to you, Amanda Anisimova, uh, who's showing—she uh, goes for broke. There's no doubt about that. And Pliskova tonight had the sort of firepower on her first serve, the top-tier firepower— uh, that gave Anisimova struggles. And, you know, that when Anisimova had her chances, her clean rips, you know, it was funny. They traded mini breaks to start that third set breaker. Uh, but Anisimova played big because there was no middle ground for her. And grinding isn't her game. And will she need to develop a plan B, a plan C, a plan D? Just be, not even develop, but just be a little bit better at it moving forward, of course. But she is 20 years old. Again, I joked about it uh, with Sinner and with Brooksby and with uh, Carlos Alcaraz, you know, who's going to win slams in the 2030s. A decade from now is when Amanda Nisimova turns 30. So we will enter the 2030s, and she will still be in her 20s. There is a lot of development still for come, for, still to come for Amanda Nisimova. But you know what you can't teach? That sort of firepower. And it was on display tonight. And for her to get broken, you know, 5-6 in that first set uh, – uh, when she, you know, they're on serve through the first set, she gets broken at 5-6, and you look at Anisimova from the start in that first set, you know, she came out firing, made 70% of her first serves, and just, you know, was winning 55% or more of both her first and second serve points, but, you know, uh, just in the end, you know, 13 winners against 12 unforced errors, but, you know, kind of blinked a little bit. In that final 5-6 game and facing that same scenario in the second set, she manages to hold. She gets an early lead in the breaker. The crowd is on her side. Shout out to the New York crowd. A, I know I'm not supposed to be biased, but it's always fun to see a home crowd. I don't care if it's in Paris. I don't care if it's at Wimbledon. You know, again, I think the reason I got into tennis was because I saw the way the Wimbledon crowd loved Andy Murray. And I was like, man, I don't think I've ever seen anyone loved for anything the way these people love a guy who plays tennis. I want to be loved that way someday day maybe it's through tennis there you go some subconscious stuff we're really getting into it here it's a therapy session now but the point being this crowd embraced Amanda Nisimova 
And her level reflected that embrace. And it was just, it was a delightful nightcap. It was electric and just, you know, power tennis at its finest. And Anisimova matched Pliskova shot for shot, which is super impressive because Carolina Pliskova has been incredible here over, you know, since the start of Wimbledon. You look for her 31 and 16 overall in 2021, 16 and 4 since the start of Wimbledon. Her results since then. Wimbledon final loses to Barty. Tokyo round of 16 loses to Canada champion Camilla Giorgi. Makes the final of Canada where she loses again to Camilla Giorgi, but along the way beats Vekic, Anisimova, Cerebes Tormo, and Sabalenka. Quality performance from her to follow that up by making the semifinals in Cincinnati as well. Wins over Pagula, which was obviously a big monkey off the back. Bedosa and Putin Seva. Again, how many times have we seen Pliskova lose that match over the course of this season? You even look early in the year for Karolina Pliskova here in 2021, whether it was, you know, at the Australian Open, 5-5 five and five to Mukova. That's a match she should win. The losses to Pegula, they just felt confounding at the time. Of course, they make a lot more sense now. But by the way, you look for her this year outside of a loss to Gasanova in Abu Dhabi. I apologize for reading the names, but she's lost to Georgie. Teichman in Cincinnati, uh, Barty, Stevens at the French Open, Pegula, Pavlochenko on clay, and and, Muk- and and Danielle Collins, excuse me, and Carolina Mukova. That's it, though. Those are all top 20-ish players. Like, again, you've had to be very good to beat Car- Carolina Pliskova here this season. She is not messing around. You look at the breakdown for her by ranking this season against opponents ranked outside the top 50. Carolina Pliskova here this season, 16-6 and six against top 50 opponents. She's 15-10 and 10 against the top 20 Two and three against the top ten here this year. A little bit more limited. Two and two wins over Sabalenka twice. Two losses to Ashley Barty. But, you know, again, we say it all the time. There are 50 players ranked who are top 30 players right now. Against that caliber of player, she's 13 and seven on the year. She has been rock solid. She has earned, you look at the advanced metrics for Carolina Pliskova, you want to go race to the year on finals. You know, again, a proximity of how many points you've actually accumulated this season. She's fourth right now. It's Barty one, Krejcikova two, Sabalenka three, Pliskova four. You look right now in terms of the ELO ratings. Ashley, uh, Carolina Pliskova currently eighth in overall ELO, currently seventh in 2021 ELO. You look at it by hold percentage right now. Carolina Pliskova, I already mentioned the break percentage a little bit lower, but Carolina Pliskova right now by hold percentage currently sits at 12th, uh, excuse me, 14th in the WTA uh, stats leaderboard via tennis abstract. You look at tennis abstracts projections, and I'll get into the top 10 contenders on the men's and women's side at the end of this podcast, where we're at from an odds perspective, where we're at from a percentage perspective. But Carolina Pliskova is fifth right now in terms of tennis abstracts projection to win this tournament. Now, Barty and Osaka are very much ahead of everyone else, but then there's a pack of players. And Carolina Pliskova is right in the lead in that pack of players. You look in terms of the odds right now via our friends at DraftKings. Carolina Pliskova is tied for fifth, plus 1,700, which again, that doesn't mean a lot of people think she's going to win this match, but if it's not Barty or Osaka, they do have her amongst the leaders. And I know we're down to only 32 players, and I know we're down to, uh, you know, she's a number four seed, but it just feels like this run, this contendership is different. Something changed at Wimbledon because, you know, that was the unexpected run. And with no pressure, she just found a confidence and a freedom that she seemed to have captured since that moment. And that's the intangible quality you just can't fake in a tennis match because she's got all of the, you know, tangible qualities anyone can learn. The fi- Well, you can't learn that firepower or that feel, but she's maximized those. It's in the big moments. Can she still continue to swing big? And at, of late, she has in this Anisimova match, she absolutely did. Again, credit to Amanda Anisimova. She played fantastic in this match, but you look for Karolina Pliskova into the third round of the U.S. Open. You look for Pliskova in her career. Obviously, she has had some success in New York before. You look for her overall at this event. Uh, you know, this was the event where she made a big breakthrough run. She made uh, the finals 2016 before getting knocked out in three sets by Kerber. She's made quarterfinals of this event 
two other times as well. Now, she hasn't made it uh, uh, to the quarterfinals since 2018, was round of 16 in 2019, but we've seen her have success in New York. You look at the draw for Pliskova now, I already mentioned, six by, or tied for fifth by the by the odds makers currently again by tennis abstract tied for fifth she is a favorite in her next match she's got alia tamyanovich in round in uh round number three she's 78.4 percent favorite to tamyanovich is 21.6 one of the more comfortable favorites in what feels like is going to be a very tight uh third round across the women's singles board uh so again Carolina Pliskova, one of the performances of the day, if not the performance of the day, 7-5-6-7-7-6, over Amanda Anisimova. Of course, the place we have to go next, and this was a day for American tennis, and American men overall, 3-7 and seven on the day. We got four into the third round, Tiafo, Opelka, Jack Sock, and the guy I have to talk about next, in my opinion, the single most entertaining viewing experience right now in the men's game, and that's Jensen Brooksby, who earns a four-set win today over Taylor Fritz. It feels like he played the exact same match against Mikhail Emer in round number one, but for Brooksby, it's a 6-7-7-6-7-5-6-2 win over Taylor Fritz. First round, third round appearance for him at a slam, first third round appearance subsequently for him in New York. He did make the second round in uh, 2019, but I mean, man, it doesn't matter the opponent. Doesn't matter what they want to do. Doesn't matter the scenario. Doesn't matter the stage. Jensen Brooksby plays Jensen Brooksby tennis. And I tweeted out, it's like, you know, the old video game. What's that called? I think it's called Pong, right? Where it's the two, you have the two bars and they're bouncing the ball in between and you can't let the ball get by you. That's what Jensen Brooksby is. He's just like, I'm not going to let you get the ball by me. And it's like, well, what, what, let me try this angle. And he's like, nope, I'm there. And I'm going to place the ball cross court deep so that you can't do that again. And then, you know, Fritz would get a different opening. And he's like, all right, let me try attacking the forehand. And Brooksby's like, nope, you give me an opening there. I'm going to go cross court, cross court, cross court to open down. Down the line you try to hit behind me I'm going to take the open space death by high percentage tennis Jensen Brooksby I, I just don't know how he does it because again from a physical skills standpoint you know Taylor Fritz hits the ball bigger than Brooksby he's got the bigger serve he's got more pathways to easier points and you know Fritz has become athletic enough and I talked about this in my match of the day preview and we saw this I think through the first two sets and we saw this throughout the course of the match honestly first three sets but throughout the course of the match Taylor Fritz was comfortable grinding with Brooksby from the baseline he was comfortable playing 10, 15, 20-shot rallies, letting the match get physical. You look at the distance covered per point in this match, Brooksby, a ridiculous 99.3 feet per court. Fritz, 95.9. You look overall in the match, 5,280 feet. uh, Brooksby runs over five miles of distance covered. Fritz, over five miles as well. These guys put in a marathon in four sets of play. This was a four-hour, four-set match, very similar to Brooksby in round number one, eight hours on court through two matches. Uh, Obviously something to keep in mind, although he does have a winnable match in his next one as Jensen Brooksby going to be the ever-so-slight underdog, according to Tennis Abstract, 49.3% to Aslan Karatsev, who was a five-set winner today's 50.7%, but you look at the numbers for Jensen Brooksby in this match. It was just another typical ho humman Jensen performance. He makes 69% of his first serves, uh, wins 69% of those points, 53% of his second serve points, fights off eight of the 10 break points he faced, creates 19 break point chances for himself, of which he converts five. Now, he did have 33 winners in this match against 48 unforced errors, but that 48 unforced error count 26 fewer than the 74 unforced errors Taylor Fritz here. Now, why was this match still so close? Fritz, an identical 26 more winners in this match than Brooksby. It was a perfect contrast of styles because, again, Brooksby doesn't hit the ball in general big enough from a rally ball perspective that it exposes Fritz's biggest weakness, which is his lateral movement. And so Fritz was able to get clean rips at the ball. And even when Brooksby, as he so often does, puts the ball on the dime and changes direction for you and opens up space for himself, Fritz has gotten good enough at a mover that he was able to track those balls down, that he was able to, you know, fire up a lob to get the point back to neutral or just get enough 
depth on his ground stroke that Jensen didn't have the easiest plus one put away or approach shot put away. And look, Jensen still is a little bit tentative moving forward. He is a little bit tentative coming to the net. He'll work in a serve and volley when you least expect it, and he goes 17 of 25 at the net. So even there, it's high percentage when he does move forward. But if he is going to move forward, he wants to be very certain he's going to win the point because he is certain he can outgrind you from the baseline. And honestly, I know it was 74 unforced errors for Fritz. That feels like a good performance for him. His shot tolerance, his just rally tolerance, his discipline in this match, his willingness to grind, his patience through those first three sets. uh, I mean, he was, you know, it was a 12-10 second set breaker for Jensen Brooksby. Fritz had chances, set points to win set number two, take a two sets to love lead. And at that point, with the firepower Fritz has, he can take some more chances, maybe go up an early break in set number three, or even if he loses that third set, still 7-5, same deal in set number four. But that's not Jensen Brooksby. Jensen Brooksby fights, he scraps, he claws, he falls to his feet after winning that, uh, his knees, excuse me, after winning that second set breaker in seemingly exhaustion. And then he goes out and does the same thing over the next two sets. And we've talked so much Jensen Brooksby. I joke about it all the time. I invented the Jensen Brooksby beat because we interviewed him after he won his 2018 Kalamazoo title. We interviewed him uh, after his run in South Africa. We talked to him extensively in Cleveland. He's my guy. As you guys know, I got to talk to him in D.C. as well. I feel, you know, protective of his career. I I really want to see him succeed because he is such a kind uh, guy. And the thing more than anything else, he just wants to be the best tennis player he can be. That is all Jensen Brooksby wants. And you can even tell, and, you know, Alex Banchilla Sr. tweeted this out, and I thought it was very accurate, very funny. It is both incredible and hilarious when Jensen Brooksby pumps up the crowd. And I say that endearingly because it's not forced, but it's just the high percentage play. Like, it's death by high percentage. If you win a big game, it's a long 25-shot grind, and you have won that point, and you are the American at the U.S. Open, the high percentage play is to lift your arms in the air and to try and pump up the crowd. And that's what Brooksby does. And it's just amazing. It's truly amazing. And you look for Jensen Brooksby, 24th right now would be his hold percentage here in 2021 if he were a top 50 player amongst top 50 players, 81.4%. Now, of course, you have to adjust for competition. And you look that that hold percentage in ATP matches it actually rises oh excuse me that can't be right that's in the last 52 no that is oh no because it includes his run no it doesn't include that run okay Jensen Brooks being ATP level matches 12 and 5 the whole percentage for Jensen 84.8 percent that's ridiculous that 84.8 percent number in ATP level matches this season amongst top 50 players would be good um, I believe let's see would be right above Casper Ruud would trail Rafael Nadal would be 10th amongst top 50 players. Now, his break percentage plummets by comparison. You look for him overall in 2021, his break percentage, 32.3%. That number would be good for fourth right now in ATP-level matches. And that actually makes sense because the first set he played with Sinner, the match he played against Tiafo and Anderson, they were a lot of holds and his run through Newport I do wonder how much that influences it just having grass court matches is going to hurt your break percentage but it goes from 32.3% which would be fourth amongst top 50 players to 22.3% which by the way would still be very very solid amongst top 50 players it would be tied with Matteo Berrettini for 32nd amongst top 50 players good not great at that point but it does feel like more hard court matches more clay court matches that number would rise for him I think his break percentage would forward is going to be in that elite category that above 25 percent maybe even in the bat prime of his career in that elite of the elite above 30 percent um but i mean the fact that he's holding serve with a serve that looks like it requires five years of work before he's at his prime the fact that the forehand does feel hitchy and yet it's a slingshot and when he hits it cleanly he can provide the pace and look fritz fired pop at him there fritz was turning into the ball ripping that ball cross court fritz was doing the short angles down the lines on the rise inside out he was using every tool in his arsenal 
Brooksby had an answer for all of it. His around-the-net post, on-the-run shot, that epitomizes, you know, the sneakiness of Jensen Brooksby. He was fantastic again here today, and you look for him that he is only 12-5 and overall in ATP-level matches, that he's 37-6-6 and against competition outside the top 100, that he's, I believe, uh, 37-6 and against competition outside the top 50, but just 2-3, and he's only, or excuse me, 3-3 and against top 50 opponents. He's played just six top 50 opponents in his career, and it's impossible to know his ceiling until we do see him exposed to more players like Sinner or FAA or Basilishvili, Sinner and Basilishvili beating him at, in both Washington and Canada. Of course, the Basilishvili loss came immediately after that DC run, but until we see him consistently tested against you know pro top 50 firepower the way Taylor Fritz can— we won't know his ceiling, but tonight against a top 50 test, a guy with that sort of firepower, he answered the question because we know if you don't have a weapon to hurt Jensen Brooksby, especially on a hard court right now, he's probably going to beat you. But if we to continue to see him answer questions against people who do have that top tier firepower, it's another positive data point in what has been a season full of th- positive data points for Brooksby. Again, th- uh, 40 and 9 now. He's won over 82% of his matches here this season. I don't know what's left to say. The guy is an absolute stud. He advances to round number three, where again, he's got a matchup with, I believe, Aslan Karatsev, five set winner today. You look for Taylor Fritz. I think he's playing good tennis this year. 21 and 16 overall. Still hasn't made a second week at a Grand Slam, but you look for him. Break percentage, 19%. That's percent above his career high. Hold percentage, 81.9%. That's 2% above his, uh, 0.2%, excuse me, above his career high. Now, again, neither of those numbers are top, you know, 20 uh, in either metric, but he's, you know, 24th, I think, right now, 25th in uh, hold percentage amongst top 50 players. And it does feel like, well, the progression may not be taking the big leaps. He is still continuing to make progress. That's the big data point. You know, disappointing ending, especially against a fellow American who's younger than you. But I still think good season here for the twenty-four, uh, soon to be twenty-four-year-old in October, Taylor Fritz. Uh, but those are your two breakdowns on the day. Since we are on the topic of American men, let's go there next. American men, as I mentioned, three and seven overall in round two of the 2021 U.S. Open. You look here on day number four. It was Brooksby with the four-set win. Jack Sock, five-set win over Sasha Bublik. First third round for Sock at the U.S. Open since 2016. He wins 7-6-6-7-6-4-4-6-6-3. A little bit of drama at the end for Sock. He led 5-1 before Bublik got one of the breaks back held, but Sock ultimately holding at 30 uh, to secure the victory. You look for Jack Sock here now in this 2021 season. He hasn't been exceptional, but he has been significantly better than the you know the 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 lows of I don't know how else to say it the lows of 2018 where he goes 9 and 21 in ATP matches 0 and 4 in 2019 3 and 4 in 2020 now he's still just you know 7 and 4 here in ATP level matches in 2021 but you look for him overall this season 17 and 12 and he did show a willingness to go down get some matches under his belt at the challenger level I hate saying go down but go to the challenger level which doesn't have the pageantry of an ATP level event and you know for a guy who has been top 10 in the world who's won a Paris Masters who's played at a year-end finals I you can understand why you know again I mean I, I can't understand why because I so desperately would love to be a tennis player but you know for Jack Sock you definitely had to put his pride aside and he's done just that he looks better he just looks fitter from an eye test perspective again from a number standpoint everything's starting to pick up and get back towards that late 2017 form for him and you look for him here this season he won the Little Rock Challenger win over a guy in Ernesto Escobedo who made you know second round here at this US Open and wins over guys staples like Kruger who you have to beat to get to the top 100 Emilio Gomez same deal and you know earlier in the season he went to St. Petersburg Biela Lugano played these challenger events so that now here in what is wild card season for him because let's be clear he is going to get wild cards and he got them into uh, I think three of the four events well four of the events this season one of them as a qualifying wild card here in North America but quarterfinals Newport as a wild card 
wins a round over Barrancas before bowing out to Isner as a wild card in Atlanta, wins a round at the City Open before playing the best match I've ever seen him play in a three-set, 7-6 in the third loss to Rafa at the City Open. Now, he retired in Cincinnati, but he's been fit here, and you look for him to win over Nishioka after losing that first set, four-set win there, three-set, uh, five-set win here over Sasha Bublik, the serve, the forehand, they're always going to be what makes uh, Jack Sack, who now, crazy to think he turns 29 years old here at the end of this month, came into the week ranked number 184 by making the third round Sock inches closer back to that top 100. Now, it's going to be hard to get there given the rankings protections, but Sock up 22 spots to number 162 this week. One more win gets him back inside the top 50. It's going to be tough for him as Sock now faces off with Sasha Zverev to get to the round of 16, but you look for Jack Sock here overall, 125 in the race to the year-end finals. You look for him in terms of the ELO rating Sock, 98 in overall ELO. You look for him here in 2021, number 115, but he will crack the top 100 in overall ELO with this result at the U.S. Open. Again, we, we I don't think it's time to get into the advanced metrics quite for him because we haven't seen him compete against the best of the best yet, but he's always had the serve, the forehand, to compete at the highest levels, much like Amanda Nisimova. It's just a question of how fit is he, you know, how focused is he, and he does seem fit and focused, certainly showed a renewed willingness to go to uncomfortable places and compete. He's rewarded here. Another wild card into this U.S. Open, so I suppose wild cards at five of the six North American events. The only one he doesn't get is the one that happens in uh, ones that happen in Canada and Los Cabos. That's a discussion, I'm sure, for another time. But ultimately, again, Jack Sock advancing five-set win for him. Super, super impressive over uh, your seed here, uh, number 31 seed, Sasha Bublik. And I don't think that's that shocking of a loss because we know Bublik can still be really good and definitely disappointing, but it's a pick a match against Jack Sock on his home turf. This win has more to do with Sock than it does with Bublik. Of course, there was another upset on the day, but sticking with the Americans, man. Mackie had it against Kei Nishikori. And it's a credit to Nishikori. I think he's got the highest win percentage in five-set matches of any player in the open era. Or maybe it's Borg. I think it goes him, then Borg, then Djokovic. He's like 26 or 27 and 7 now. Something crazy. Uh, he needed it. And he goes up an early break and he holds on to that early break in the fifth. He earns a 7-6-6-3-6-7-2-6-6-3 win over Mackie. There were two big momentum swings in this match. Mackey gets off to a strong start, goes up 5-3 in that first set, served for the set, gets broken from there. Nishikori goes on a run, and he wins the breaker, wins that next set 6-3, uh, goes up a break in the third set. From there, Mackey ball kicks in, and Mackey goes on a run himself, and Mackey rips off uh, that third set and wins that third set breaker 7-5, and then he wins this third uh, fourth set 6-2, but... Look, Nishikori found the spark in the fifth. You look overall in the match. Both of these guys, shot makers, thin, thin margins. 45 winners for Nishikori against 57 unforced errors. 45 winners for Mackey against 54 unforced errors. Hold percentage-wise, you know, they both broke serve eight times. Mackey won 62% of his first uh, serve points. Nishikori won 61%. Mackey, 55% of his second serve points. Nishikori, 52%. Mackey was right there. Nishi was right there. Uh, this was a Nishikori, excuse me. This was a top 30-level match. Mackie played really, really good tennis. He has nothing to hang his hat on. And you look for Mackie McDonald here in terms of the advanced metrics, race to the year-end final. He's currently 35th. Nishikori passes him with this win now up to 33rd. But I think that's much more reflective than, you know, the 58. Although 58 is still pretty good for Mackie McDonald here this season. He is going to, if I mean, he'll get into any event he wants here, likely down the home stretch of 2021 because he'll have a desire and an urge to play in a way some of the more established players will not but he is in strike zone to start the 2021 season strong uh, 2022 excuse me of course he's got round of 16 points to defend in Australia but you look for Mackie now again in terms of the advanced metrics Mackie McDonald 63rd in overall ELO 43rd in terms of 2021 ELO for him the big jump this season has been his hold percentage you look uh, for Mackie McDonald here this season particularly in ATP level matches he's jumped from a career level uh, average in ATP 
ATP level matches of 77.3% hold percentage to an 80.9% this season. He belongs. He belongs at the ATP level. He belongs, in my opinion, in the top 50, top 30 hard court player, top 30 grass court player as well. The clay component still needs to be solved, but this has been a great North American stretch for Mackie McDonald, and I bet we'll see him play San Diego as well because, of course, that's close to his home. Uh, he's a North Cal guy, but no Cal guy, but it's close to, I suppose, as he can get to his hometown in L.A., get him ready for Indian Wells, which should be a good stretch for Mackie McDonald. If he doesn't get on, on ranking, he should get in as a wild card into that event. Certainly would be one of the biggest draws, but... You know, again, ultimately, he falls a little bit short to Kei Nishikori, who has a very interesting third-round match now for Nishikori as he takes on Novak Djokovic for a spot in the round of 16. But again, uh, McDonald falling a little bit short. Your other winners other than Sock and Brooksby, Opelka, who's just got it. And I said it after round one. You can tell early in a tournament if Riley's got it or he doesn't. We are now four days in. We can say officially... These courts are playing fast in New York this year, and that was a, a perp- the reason we can say it uh, with feeling credible is because that was a purposeful, uh, purposeful development by the U.S. Open. They said they want their surface to stand out, be a bit different than the other ones, and we're seeing that speed play to Opelka's favor. He was a rock on serve today. Lorenzo Musetti played very, very well, particularly in those first two sets, but he couldn't break Opelka because Opelka kept firing serve after serve to the one-handed backhand, following it in, serving and volleying, and then after establishing that cadence, mixing in the down the tee on the ad side, mixing in the slice out wide, which is just untouchable when he lands it on the deuce side. Riley is locked in right now, and you look at his portion of the draw, uh, you know, eventually it would be a quarterfinal with Zverev, but he's got Basilashvili next and then would face the winner of Lloyd Harris and Denis Shapovalov. You look right now, according to Tennis Abstract's draw forecast, he's favored to reach the quarterfinals. 33.5% chance for him, 281 for Shapovalov. The pathway to a first, second week obviously is there with the win over Basilashvili, but a pathway to a quarterfinal, which would be a perfect feather in the cap of what has been a big development developmental North American hardcore stretch for a guy we always knew was capable of it in Riley Opelka. By the way, kind of has a shot at the year-end finals. Currently ranks 17th if you remove a Nadal from the equation. 1,300 points. Uh, excuse me. Uh, 1,200 points. No, 1150 behind eighth place Hubie Hercots, but with one more win, that 1150 uh, would become, I suppose, 1040 or 1060. The point is, there's still some points out there, Indian Wells, as well at the end of this year. And so, you know, just keep an eye on Riley. Crazier things has ha- have happened. He looked excellent today. In terms of your other Americans, got to give a shout out to the Spider Man. He played Yannick Sinner even today. Through four sets there, Sinner ultimately 6-3-7-6-6-7-6-4, but Svita led by a break for all but the end of that second set. And, you know, again, that he can blow that lead but bounce back and take a 7-6 third set and, you know, stay competing 6-4 in the fourth and make Sinner play tight and make Sinner get into grind mode because Svita draws errors. He's just a brilliant ball striker, very Dennis Kudla-ish in the way he moves the ball around the court, gives himself a little bit more margin on the forehand, but the way he drives that ball through the backhand. Now, I'm not sure if he'll ever be as strong and as good a finisher at the net as Dennis is, but he hits all of his spots. Extraordinarily polished is the 18-year-old who proved he belonged here at this 2021 U.S. Open. And for a guy who has already turned pro, isn't going the college route, and was outside the top 700 coming into this U.S. Open. And now you look for this fighter man inside the top 500 for the first time in his career, up to a new career high of number 473 in the live rankings. That's challenger qualifying. That's, all right, for sure now I can get into 25K, 50K future events, and that sort of development matters for Zach Svida. Certainly he'll earn some more wild cards here as well as he's a two-time Kalamazoo champion, and he's just proved he has the level now to compete at the challengers, and certainly it's going to be exciting to see him continue to develop again, only 18 years old, but he gets knocked off today. Just credit to Yannick Sinner, who did find that grinding gear, who didn't let himself get frustrated, who just kept his head down, kept power through, kept, you know, opening up crack little by little until it opened within the rally. Good match from the Sin Man to advance in four. 
the other Americans on the day. Stevie Johnson, Gael Monfils, part four was fun. Monfils, unfortunately, moves to 4-0, was a four-set win for him. But Stevie competed well. And, you know, again, looking for him in this North American hardcore stretch, he's another wildcard candidate at Indian Wells, obviously, given his success at as at USC and what he's meant to California tennis. But, uh, you know, it was a shot. You know, Gael wants to be 12 feet behind the baseline. Stevie wants to be ripping forehands as hard as possible and moving forward. That contrast always makes for fun tennis. But Gael is inspired right now. And honestly, he sees Svitolina, his wife, or I suppose Alina Monfils now, Svitolina Monfils, whatever her last name is, moving through the draw. And he says, I want to do that too. And his level has picked up. He just feels locked in physically, mentally. That was a good win for Gael Monfils. A good performance, though, for Stevie J, who you look now with this result. Solidifies his place inside the top 100, which you weren't sure of at the beginning of 2020 and throughout this year, but currently at number 84 in strike range here down the home stretch of the season. The other Americans, none of them got a set. Cressy's run comes to an end. 6-3-5 and five against Basilishvili. Escobedo loses 4-4-2. Four, four and two. Harris, just too much firepower for him. Brilliant serving day from Oscar Oto that just took advantage of his size advantage against Dennis Kudla, 4-4-2. I know we're 3-7, and seven, but still, I think the performances were good overall from the Americans here on day. You know, not spectacular. Spectacular would have been Mackie wins. Spectacular would have been if Mackie and Stevie win and we go 5-4. and four. I think that's a spectacular day because Escobedo, Cressy losses, you can understand. You know, uh, again, at, at that point, you flip, uh, you know, Cressy, Escobedo, even Kudla, you can understand. At that point, you flip Mackie, you flip Stevie. That just feels like at that point, all right, that that's a damn good day. Even this fight a loss, exactly that. He competed in four set. That was a good performance for Zach. You flip the Stevie and Mackie wins. That becomes an exceptional day. But again, Tiafo, Brooksby, Opelka, Sock. Four American men advancing to the third round at the 2021 U.S. Open in men's singles. We flip gears now. Let's talk about the women a little bit. Let's talk about the top seeds, how they looked here on the day. For the most part, they rocked and rolled once again. Ashley Barty got tested. She served for the set, up 5-4. Clara Tawson, recent world junior number one, two-time WTA title winner here. Her first two titles in 2021 uh, uh, of her career at 18 years old. She broke back. 4-5 4-5 all, but Barty just too physical. And just, you know, Clara Tawson, when she missed her first serve and Barty got to dictate with that first return or landed a first serve, just, you know, Tawson didn't quite have the speed yet to play at Barty's physicality, uh, the level of physicality Barty plays at. And, you know, the slice gave Tawson some issues, but her firepower is undeniable. And that speaks to how well she competed in the second set, how well she competes in general. But again, through two matches, no concerns with Ashley Barty. I thought Bianca Andreescu might roll today. I just didn't think Lauren Davis would have the weapons to hurt her. That Andreescu responded as well as she did physically is absolutely a positive moving forward. If she makes the second week, in my opinion, it becomes Andreescu. Well, let's say all four of them make the second week. Then it becomes, you know, Osaka one, Barty two, Andreescu three. Muguruza honestly would be four on that list in terms of my contenders to take home the title. Andrescu's just finding her comfort range, both from a physical standpoint, a rhythm standpoint. She found it today, four and four victory for her. Some other seeds that continue to rock and roll, Petra Kvitova close to that peak, and we know when Petra makes the second week, look out rest of the field, 7-6-6-2, excuse me, she knocks out Christina Pliskova. Belinda Bencic continues her good form, 3-1 win. She was dominant today, and when she's striking the ball cleanly from the center of the court, you're not going to find, you know, it's her and Pliskova, Carolina, on that uh, exclusive list of ball strikers in the women's game. 3-1 win for her over Trevisan. Kerber's match gets delayed. That was the only delay that mattered. She beats Kalina as expected, 3-2. Sakari has returned to form, 4-2 win over Sinyakova. Jess Pegula now, I believe 25-7, no, no, excuse me. 25 and 9 overall now in her no no that's not right here it is 24 and 9 final answer overall 0.727 win percentage in her season this year she's made quarterfinals or better in four of the uh nine hard court matches she's played that's what that number is 24 and 9 in hard court matches here this season leave it all in west off um be, uh but again like when you're winning 73% of your matches on a surface at the WTA level, making at least four quarterfinals and beating Masaki Doi three and two, looking comfortable holding seed at a slam. 
unequivocal step forward. She's 10th in the points race right now. That's the level she's played at, folks. She has been that good. She looks dangerous heading into week number two. You look, uh, we'll get into the third round because I want to get into the top 10 contenders and talk about the closest third round matches at the end. But Jess Pagula is rolling, but maybe our most impressive win of the day, Annette Conteve, 4-1 over Jill Teichman. Not the most impressive given the first two matches we broke down, but, you know, to dominate Teichman, who had been playing so well, if you're not ranked top 30, you're not beating Annette Conteve, and she just absorbed, and you know, her backhand is particularly well suited to absorb the heavy top spin of Teichman, but you know, Conteve just kept swinging away, changing direction, breaking Teichman's rhythm by not playing two or three balls in a row in the same direction, more than two or three balls in a row, and just played high percentage tennis. This was a really clean match for her. Uh, you look for Conteve now in this draw. She uh, is going to take on, I believe she's the slight favorite against Iga Sviantek, who earned a three-set win I'll talk about momentarily, but you know, Conteve's rolling. Straight set win for her. You know, those are your seeds who advance. The other straight set winner, Shelby Rogers, 5-2 and two over Kirstea. First third round this year at a slam that will not uh, have Serana Kirstea appearing in the women's singles competition. Cerebos Tormo also earns a straight set win, continuing her excellent form on hard courts. Emma Raducanu is the real deal, folks. Another third round for her at a slam. She knocks off Shui Zhang in straights. And then Hreet Minin upset on the day, 4-4 four and four over Samsonova. In terms of your other matches, we did actually, speaking of upsets, other results have some serious upsets, some seeds knocked out on the day you look for Gracheva, a 4-4 four and four win over Paula Bedosa, who was struggling with a shoulder injury, and that's not making excuses or taking anything away with Gracheva, but it wasn't the typical locked in from a physical standpoint Paula Bedosa we've seen over the past, you know, nine months of play, but Gracheva just had the firepowers to, again, make that match physical and make Bedosa wear down, and credit to her advancing to the third round, credit to Alia Tamjanovic, an upset in seed only, she was the favorite, and as such, you know, gets a nice win, continues her good run here since Wimbledon, 6-4 and four, over number 30 seed Petra Martic. You look at the seeds eliminated after round number two. Uh, six seeds eliminated in play, excuse me, seven so far, all of them outside the top 20. So all of your top 20 seeds enter the round of 32 at the 2021 U.S. Open in women's singles. Uh, again, you look overall, uh, your seeds that survived on the day, Iga Sviantek looked down and out, down a set, down a break to Fiona Farrow. She was, you know, looking at her box as if to say, I may have to stop this match. I'm just physically, I'm not feeling it. It's just, I'm worn down. And she found that gear that the champions find. And when she is clicking, that top spin, I don't care, a hard court, clay court, grass court, it just works. Fiontech, three-set win over the always tricky, I call her the female Tommy Paul, I call him the male Fiona Farrow. Uh, but Fiontech, three, six, seven, six, then gets the bagel after she escaped. You could tell that just Farrow really wanted that second set and she kind of lost it after that. But you look for, again, Fiontech, three, six, seven, six, six, love win over Pharaoh and then Pavlochenkova just live in her best life. She continues to rock and roll 6-2-5-7-6-2 over Shmladova to advance to the third round. In terms of the other men's results we've yet to hit on yet, your other upset, Andreas Seppi. First third round at a slam since 2019. He knocks off Hubi Hercots 2-6-6-4-6-4-7-6. He just went down swinging. After he lost that first set 6-2, he just said, you know what? I'm just going to play my game. And, you know, it was weird to see Hubi get that tentative, particularly in the breaker. He had set points when Seppi... He had Seppi 5-6 love 40 uh, before Seppi just comes up with a couple of big plus ones, a couple of good serves, but there was just a tentativeness, a nervousness that comes for Hubi Hercats when you are a top 10 seed for the first time in a slam, when there are expectations on you after you make the semifinals of Wimbledon. And, you know, again, it's a disappointing loss because we know Hubi is better than this and the better the competition, the better he plays. But you look for him, he's about 500 against players inside, uh, outside the top 50, who has won 60% of his matches against players in inside the top 20. Yeah, that's Hubie Hercats for you in a nutshell. Very much all first team tennis chameleon. But credit to Seppi. Gets the job done in four sets. Advances to the third round. Karatsev was nearly in the same boat as Hercats. He was down two sets and a break to Jordan Thompson. But he manages to flip the script. 
3-6-3-6-7-5-7-6-6-1 just made that match physical and went into a place and you could see in between points that you know the cadence he had the breaths he was taking just finding his rhythm he knew Jordan Thompson cannot hurt me in the long run this match is on my racket just find your form and he found his form and you have to credit for a guy who started this year out so hot you know third rounds of slams are what keep you in the top 50 or what keep you in the top 30 and for Karatsev after being outside the top 100 for the first seven years of his career that's where he wants to stay and this result helps him do that third round doesn't sound sexy certainly looks sexy in the bank account Karatsev advancing in five sets in terms of how the seeds looked on the day Djokovic Zverev they cruised collision course semifinals bet on them now hedge against you know the other way however you want to do it but they're making the semifinals folks so bet on them to win their quarters ASAP you look at the other top seeds, good win for Shapo, who, by the way, prior to his three-match losing streak entering this event, had lost only one first-round match here in 2021. I know the buzz for him is that he is inconsistent, and he's going to have to deal with that buzz because inconsistency did plague him early on, but he had been so much better at that here this season before this three-match skid. He's refound his form, straight sets over an old nemesis in Carbeus Bania. Four-set tricky win for Berrettini over the always crafty lefty Quarantine Mute. I already mentioned the Sinner and Monfils and Opelka win, so those were your seed performances. Ilya Vashka, most improved player of 2021, maybe. You look for him in the race this season now, Ivashka by making the third round with another straight set victory all the way up to number 39. You look for him in the live rankings, new career high, number 51 for him. You look in the ELO rankings, Ivashka, 23 in overall ELO right now, 13th here in 2021 with his 37 and 16 record again for him today. It was a straight set win over Vashik Pospisil. You look for Ivashka now. He matches up with Matteo Berrettini. He's got the sort of firepower. That match is going to be interesting. Change balls every four games, please, because they're going to need them, but Ivashka advances. You've also got straight set win from Basilevili, as mentioned, over Cressy, Harris, and Ota, all over American men. Those are your men's results on the day. Now, before I preview day number five, I do quickly, we're two rounds through. We've, you know, quartered the field. We've gone from a field of 32 to a field, uh, a third of, of 128 to a field of 32. With that in mind, I want to talk about how the odds have changed, where we are right now via our friends at Tennis Abstract and DraftKings. Let's start where we're at with the men. Novak Djokovic was a 27.6% favorite to win the event, according to Tennis Abstract, entering the show. Now, there were three prohibitive favorites. Djokovic, 27.6. Medvedev, 27.5. Zverev 18.3. Those are still your three prohibitive favorites far amongst the field. You know, coming in, Rublev was fourth, 8.5. As of right now, Medvedev, because of how open his draw is, let's be honest, that's the real fact. He won't, the only seed left in his section, you've got Evans, the 24 seed, you've got Schwartzman, 11. Those are the two possible seeds he'd face on his way to the semifinals, let's be honest. He would be a prohibitive favorite there. You look for Novak Djokovic, Nishikori now, then Karatsev or Brooksby, potentially Berrettini, potentially Zverev. That's just a tougher fit path than Medvedev faces, and the numbers think Medvedev is, you know, he and Djokovic are the only guys who are top 10 in both hold and break percentage this year. The numbers, like Daniil Medvedev's case, probably a little bit more than the eye test does. Of course, you look right now, it's uh, via Tennis Abstract, Medvedev 31.7, Djokovic 25.7, Zverev 21%. Those are still your three prohibitive favorites. Now, Tsitsipas has passed Rublev. They were 0.2% apart to start. Tsitsipas now 10.3% to win. Rublev 6.6. After that, you get Berrettini 1.1, Sinner 0.9, Schwartzman 0.6. So they really think it's come down to three guys or at worst five guys. Medvedev, Djokovic, Zverev, your prohibitive favorites. Then a tier down is Tsitsipas. Then a tier after that comes Rublev. Then a smorgasbord of Berrettini, Sinner, Schwartzman, according to Tennis Abstract. Now, according to the odds, same deal. Djokovic, in this instance, is the more prohibitive favorite. He was minus 145 to start the tournament. He's now minus 135. 
the field has narrowed the gap between Medvedev and Zverev. Medvedev's plus 380, Zverev's plus 475. Tsitsipas was plus 800 to start the tournament. He's dropped to plus 1600, and he's the leader of a pack that's then, you know, Berrettini plus 3500, Rublev 40 to 1, Shapo 50 to 1, Schwartzman 50 to 1, Sinner 50 to 1, F.A. and Karatsev 100 to 1. The point being, you know, again, the odds makers see it three guys, then Tsitsipas, then everyone else. The formula sees it three guys and everyone else. And I think anyone with eyes sees it that way as well. So that's where we stand right now on those projections. Um, and I don't think there's any noticeable outliers uh, on the men's side. Women's is a little bit more interesting. Prior to the tournament starting, Barty 27.1, Osaka 20.7, then a big drop. Now, that trend has stayed, but they do give Ashley Barty, they see how loaded that bottom half of the draw is, and we'll get into those matchups momentarily. Barty now up to 34.3%, Osaka only up to 21.3%, so that gap has widened. Now, on the flip side, betting odds-wise, Barty was plus 330 to start the tournament. She's now down to plus 250. Osaka was plus 600. She's now down to plus 350. That is interesting. That gap is starting to narrow, and I think if we hit the second week and Osaka's still alive, I would expect that gap to flip. You look beyond that in terms of the percentages. Sabalenka was third coming into the event. She had uh, 8%. She's now at 4.8, but still third. Kvitova was fourth, 4.5. She's now fourth with 3.9. Muguruza now up to fifth with 3.5. She started out at sixth with 3.4. Her and Pliskova have done a bit of a flip-flop Pliskova now uh, with her result here today. Let's see. It has it updated. I believe it has Pliskova up to 4.4%. So she is indeed still, uh, she's fourth now. She is leapfrogged over Kvitova. They flip-flop. Muguruza still sixth. Krejcikova still seventh. After that, uh, you had Vika eighth. It's now Svitolina eighth. Sakari ninth. Vika tenth was Azarenka, Svitolina Mertens. So Sakari Mertens doing a little bit of a switch there as well. In terms of the odds, you know, again, Barty Osaka still your big favorites. After that, it's a group, it's a pack. It was Sabalenka Halep Krejcikova. It's now Sabalenka Krejcikova Bencic. You look in terms of the outliers. Radikainu is uh, ninth right now. She's sort of taken the golf spot. I don't think we think that's happening, but just interesting to note that the numbers, the odds are relatively starting to be in a line. I suppose that's always going to be the case, but I think that's what we're all seeing right now uh, across the board. It does feel like it's Barty and Osaka on the women's side, Djokovic, Zverev, Medvedev on the men's side. If the numbers say it, the odds say it, the eyes say it, that probably is the case coming out of round two of this 2021 U.S. Open. And with that in mind, let's look towards round number three at this event. Of course, you are likely listening to this either right as the matches are starting or the matches have already begun. So I'll be brief. I ranked all of the matches in terms of play tomorrow. You don't have a men's match. You have one men's match crack the list at fourth. Outside of that, you don't get a men's match till the eighth spot on this list, and it's because the women's matches tomorrow are simply out of this world. Muguruza Azarenka starts us off on Ash. Sabalenka Collins is the nightcap. You've also got Halep Rabakina. Rabakina, of course. We saw her, French Open, Wimbledon, second week, uh, you know, runs. She's got Halep. That's a fun contrast of style. Mertens and Jabour are two crack racket specials. That's that's our match. Those are the you know, bread and butter of players who have made jumps here over these past 18 months. Two players looking to fight for their spot in second weeks in the top 16 of the WTA. You've also got Osaka taking on the uber-talented young Canadian Leila Fernandez. Svitolina versus Kasekina. That's your marathon match of the day, and if that's not, I promise you Kerber versus Stevens will be. The only dud, and it's kind of a dud just because Krejcikova wrecks everyone now, is Krejcikova versus Rakimova. But seven of your eight matches tomorrow are serious popcorn matches. Now, you know, on the men's side, I think it's still pretty solid. FAA, RBA, that's a popcorn match. No doubt about that. And that's your closest match out of the day in any. And by the way, just to quickly go through it, on the women's side tomorrow, your closest match, according to Tennis Abstract, Mertens-Jabour, they have Mertens 50.6 favorite, uh, excuse me, Jabour a 50.6 favorite, Mertens 49.4. They also have Muguruza 53.7, Davika's 46.3, a couple of 60-40s. Insvitalina favored over Kasekina, Halep favored over Rabat. 
clock. And of course, a lot of that is slanted towards past performance. But again, Collins, Sabalenka, 64, Sabalenka, 36, Collins. Fun matches across the board. You flip gears on the men's side. The closest match is Felix versus RBA. That's a 50.8 to Felix, 49.2 RBA. That's about as close as it gets. You've also got, you know, Laxton and Gojewitz. That's a 55-45 split. Outside of that, it gets a little lopsided. Andahar Popperin is going to be closer than the 68-32 split towards Evans that Tennis Abstract projects it to be just from a matchup style. The pace Popperin hits with the serve, the forehand, that's built to disrupt a Dan Evans. I also think Carlos Alcaraz is underrated at a 14.2% chance. Tiafo underrated at 169 because Alcaraz has weapons that can just straight up hurt anyone, even a Stefano Tsitsipas. And a big match for Francis Tiafo, that's going to bring out his best performance. But, you know, outside of that, Medvedev, Andahar, Vendesen, Sculp, which is always fun, versus Bagnus, Schwartzman, Mulcan. It is what it is. We've got seven of the best possible women's third round matches. There's nothing wrong with just celebrating the women one day and using the men to supplement the rest of the schedule as well. But overall, should be a super, super fun day five. And of course, we will be back tomorrow breaking down all of that action here on this show. Of course, if you are looking for picks each and every afternoon, you can find those picks on our uh, Great Shot podcast feed if you are looking for breakdowns of the best matches. Matches each and every day. Become a Patreon member. Subscribe to our Patreon match of the day. Of course, you can find all of our content available on our website, crackrackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the GSP, and the Cracked Interviews podcast. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Figner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for Super Producers League, you're in West Off, for our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you.